You're listening to the She Lift Project podcast, a show dedicated to helping women achieve higher levels of success in the workplace. No matter where you are in your career, we want to help you grow. Now here's your host, Cynthia Kirkpatrick, a CPA, CFP, and Senior Financial Advisor at Mineta Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the She Lift Project podcast. I'm Cynthia Kirkpatrick, and I'm happy to have you with us. Today, we welcome and very excited to have Pam Sanders, who you co-own TSA Sales Associates LLC, last 14 years with your sister. You're in a very male-dominated industry and one of the few businesses like yours that is women business-owned and operated. That'll be part of our conversation today for sure. You're a graduate of Georgia Tech with a degree in mechanical engineering, which I remember when I first started getting to know you, meeting you many, many years ago, I was like, wow, that's amazing. How does she go into that? So we'll talk about that too. And your non-traditional career path, because even though you went to school for that, you're doing what you do today. In between there, you uh, did some different project engineering, nonprofit work in Mexico, and you're fluent in Spanish, and which if you go on vacation in Mexico, that's really helpful. That's amazing. And you have a master's in Latin American and Caribbean studies before the last, like I said, 14 years of co-owning this business with your sister and being a women-owned business and all those successful accolades and challenging words to say. So <laughs> happy to have you here with us to, again, it's been conversation back and forth about all these experiences and how you've navigated to the current level of success of where you're at today. So speaking of that, and I, I think I mentioned this ahead of time, engineering is scary to me. There's mechanical, there's chemical, there's this, there's that, there's, I, I don't get how it all works. So tell me mechanical engineering and what your company does in uh, to the general public layman terms. <laughs> okay, sure. So, well, what our company does is we represent several different manufacturers, lines of equipment, and um, we... We'll, we'll design systems, we'll put things together, we'll, sometimes pieces of equipment, sometimes entire systems for our customers, and then present them with those solutions. The mechanical side of that is all of the equipment, how it works together, achieving certain rates, delivering materials, things like that. So when you say, sorry to interrupt, systems, does that mean uh, a, a line? So they're building something or they're making something, and you're going to put that system together so that it's a... Um that line is working? Correct. And it'll be, it might be part of a line, you know, a certain part of their process to get something accomplished. Or if it's the air pollution side of our business, it would be an entire system to capture all of the dust that their process generates and take care of that for them. Okay. Yeah. I I wasn't sure. Again, it's just also confusing, overwhelming to me. And I wasn't sure how that worked. But the air pollution side was interesting when I looked again, because we've known each other I don't even know how long. So that's the fun part of diving into some of these conversations. I get to really go into, what do they do professionally? What does that mean? <laughs> right. I'm like, okay, this is exciting. Uh, the air pollution side of it, I was like, I didn't even know that was really a thing. So is it air pollution for those companies that have the process that they're doing the building for some end user that you're controlling the air pollution in their building or around their building? Uh, right. And it's mostly the air, the pollution generated by the process. So some of it is actual stuff that they need to get out of the air or they can't emit. But a lot of it is things that the workers don't want to be breathing. So it's it's getting it right at the source. So it's not, you know, 
flying through the air and workers aren't having to have it in their breathing space. And you're representing these companies that have all these pieces and you're going to your customers, clients saying, okay, here's, here's your space, here's what the problem we want to solve and here's how we put all of this together and we're going to pull this piece from this company, this piece, and we're going to come in and just basically uh, design and uh, tell you what you need and where to get it from. Right. And that's where I get to use that mechanical engineering piece because I run the calculations to figure out what is required and then pull that all together for them. And that's why we've been, we've gotten along for so long because <laughs> calculations and things, I knew early on, I was like, Pam and I have something in common here. She is a analytical calculation based thinker and I am too. So uh, the mechanical engineering then is a lot of, when you say calculations, like what are you actually calculating? Is it space? Is it the big size of these things? I'm probably making it way too simple. <laughs> uh, we do look at that, but the main calculations, the bigger concerns are what kind of, you know, from the capture points, what's required, and then how much air volume is required for that. And then when we lay out all the ductwork that's required, static pressure calculations are probably the most critical because that determines the size of fan we need on the system to pull the suction and to pull it through all of those elbows, joints, you know, everything to get that the design air volume that we need through the entire system so that it actually does what it needs to do. What's the skill set? So I hear math, I hear I hear science in that. Is to become a ma mechanical engineer, any, maybe any type of engineer, is it a combination of those? Like what is required to really be good or interested or passionate about what you do? Right, right. So it's definitely math and science for any engineering degree. It's heavy on the math, I would say. Um, more so, but I will say it's not like I'm doing calculus. It's, you know, I mean, I had to take a lot of calculus, but uh, it's it's more, you know, um, it's formula. not like Goodwill Hunting no, where they've got that big God, uh, no. board where he writes this huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you can do college algebra and you can do geometry and you can do, I mean, it's you got to do it well, but it's it doesn't have to be that complicated. I, so, you know. Yeah, being good with that problem solving, uh, being able to do it over and over, think a little bit differently, but you don't have to recreate the wheel math-wise necessarily. Right. So thinking of that, we're similar in age. So we go back, if that's okay, a couple decades to say, mm -hmm. Pam's going to go to Georgia Tech is going to be an engineer. I mean, to me, I hear Georgia Tech and I think, whoa, this is the big leagues. Like if somebody's going to, if especially a woman probably back then, I'm going to go engineering at Georgia Tech, mad props. Am I, so one, why, how were you interested in that? And am I way off in your experience and what it was like? Well, I mean, Georgia Tech is a phenomenal engineering school. And, and back then in the 90s, you know, I, I uh, had never even heard of Georgia Tech at, at first, but somehow someone recommended, hey, if you're looking at engineering, you should apply here. Because you're from um, St. Louis. Right, Right, correct. so this isn't, we're not uh, local Rolla or whatever it's right. called now where everybody knows about it. This right. is. Right, but props to Rolla because I did go to engineering camp there and confirm that I wanted to do engineering. Um, but yeah, so I had, you know, I once I made the decision that I wanted to go into engineering, you know, I was looking at some of the Midwestern schools, University of Illinois and Purdue, and I had it down. To, I was probably going to go to Purdue, actually, and then went down and looked at Georgia Tech and just fell in love. What was it about it that, you know, you walk on campus? It was more urban and it was warmer, <laughs> which is always important <laughs> for me. At some point, we talk about being in Mexico. That right. makes a lot of sense. I always like to go south, not north. And, and I just did a program where, you know, you got to meet the other kids who were doing the studies and 
I just felt like, okay, yeah, this is a place where I could do this. Yeah, because I've met some of your friends Mm -hmm. through there and, uh, you know, similar. I mean, you can tell there's a real bond and camaraderie that you were able to build. Do you think it was, I'm I'm jumping to, because there's another question I want to ask, but actually maybe this is important. Do you think it's because of the school situation? Do you think it was, um, a lot of them were, I think, from the different outings, women. I mean, was it because you bonded of, hey, there's a lot of men here and there's few of us? Like what lend itself to building that that those deep relationships? Yeah, it is it is unique and interesting. It, being at Georgia Tech, um, I def you definitely have to make an effort to get to know women. And um, if you just went to your classes, I mean, I would have like three women that I could have, you know what I mean, in, in some some semesters. So. Um, I well tell me so you walk into a classroom yeah maybe your first engineering classroom what was that like was it there's two girls and there 20 boys like were you overwhelmed yeah I mean it was it was about a three to one ratio in general in the in the major but you know some of the bigger classes obviously had more but when you got into the smaller classes it was like one or two or maybe three of us in a, in a class a lot was of times. Was it intimidating or were you beyond that at that point? At that point I think I was beyond that I was just used to it <laughs> you know um, but uh but I did, you know, I did join a sorority, which is where I met like eight of those 10 girls that I still hang out with. And, um, and I don't know that I would have done that had I gone to a different school. But because I, you know, there I was like, oh, I really want to make sure I get to know women and have friends that are women. So that was sort of how that happened. It's nothing against men. Right. Nothing against men. Just like, hey, we're going through certain different things right. here. Need to have a little bit of a sisterhood around us to uh, definitely meander through the next few years. Yes. <clears throat> so you mentioned your first class. You were kind of used to that by then as far as maybe male, female ratio, whatever. What got you used to that? Because I'm thinking, oh, college is probably the first time you really experienced this. But it sounds like it's not. Well, no, I think it was. Um, but I, I guess... I, I'm thinking the smaller classes. Got it. So I had already kind of seen on campus, and and I mean there was like thirty something fraternities and five sororities. So it was like kind of the dynamic of just being on campus was already that way. So yeah, I, well that tells the story there. <laughs> the number of fraternities versus sororities right. that paints, paints a picture there. Right. So your time at Georgia Tech uh, and being female. I mean, any challenges, issues you faced whether the the industry itself or, you know, again, going through it, like, is this for me? This is harder than I thought. Oh, there's so few of us here. Am I going to get through this? Anything like that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there were times where certain aspects, certain classes were, were very hard. And it was just, you know, if it didn't click in my brain right away, uh, there was two classes in particular, Mechanics of Solids 1 and Mechanics of Solids 2. For some reason, those two were my my struggle point. But um, at the, in those classes, you know, I mean... It just, I mean, I, got, I obviously got through them, and um, and they were difficult, but I just, you know, I just did what I've always done and went and saw the professor and tried to get the extra help, did the best I could, you know, but I think what sort of saved me from, from that was co-oping, and I got uh, to co-op. I, I actually had a job at Saturn, part of GM at the time, um, and it was every other quarter after my freshman year. So I'd have a quarter of working 
at a plant in Tennessee and then I'd come back to Atlanta and go to Georgia Tech and I think seeing that and seeing actually things applied made a huge difference for me because when you're doing these classes that that are really really hard and you're going why do I need to know this Mm -hmm. you know and you don't need to know all of it to do every job obviously but I, I could see the value and then I would come back and go okay like I, I'm, I've got to figure this out. I've got, you know, and, and that's how I kind of, I think that gave me the motivation I needed. Mm-hmm. Anything else about college or that experience, Georgia Tech engineering student? I mean, how many were you, four years? How many years did you, was that program? Well, it's a, it's a four year program, but with the co-op being, I was there about four and a half. I graduated in December. So Right, right. But it sounds like well worth it to get oh, that yeah. uh, real world applied experience. Very, very worth it. It helped me know what I wanted to do when I got out. And I would have had no idea otherwise. So, Well, so you get out. What do you do next? Well, that's where I, I was really focused on project management and or project engineering, uh, you know. Um, and so I ended up, I got hired at Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati. And, um, and I was, had a project engineer position. And it's, that's kind of like you're, you have to understand the technical parts of it, but you're also doing you know, budgets, schedules for a project so that it gets done when it needs to get done. And you know, sometimes I would have to tell the engineers, you can't design anymore <laughs> because if we don't roll this out by a certain time, the people in marketing are going to kill us because we'll have missed our window. Like it has to get out before Kimberly Clark gets there whatever diapers out because it was diapers that I was working on (laughs) I should tap into you I'm involved with the diaper bank around here so diapers are important yeah what kind of I would imagine that's a different level skill set because you said I have to go back to the engineers and say you know no 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 we got to get this done uh did you were you ever put in an awkward position or was that challenging to wear that different hat but also know where they're coming from but have to like kind of put your foot down um well I I think I was always good at seeing the big picture and I wasn't even though I have my engineering degree like I was not a hardcore math and science person say in high school I mean I I was good decent at it but I mean English Spanish history those were my like easier strong suit classes so but just to have the bigger picture and be able to go to those guys talk their language you know say hey I get that we, we, we could make this better absolutely but we have to get it out by this time so what can we do in this window that we have to make it the best we can make it and then we got to be done and they would you know they've responded well for, for the most part what do you think helped you be most successful in in that role in doing that because I'm sure some people are probably like oh you know no, you don't know our job, or we got to do it this way. Right. Or you just graduated a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think you know about this? Um, But yeah, I I think uh, probably, and this might sound weird, but being able to listen. And so um, I think, and, and I think that's one of the skill sets that that really helps in the field because a lot of people aren't good listeners. And uh, I think your stereotypical engineer might not be a good listener. And so there's a, there's a lot of uh, folks out there that, you know, they see the best way to do it and they're just trying to get there. Um, but the whole communication aspect and of bringing all of these people together and getting them kind of, kind of the buy-in to have the vision and, Hey, we're all in this together. This is what we got to do. Your role is really important. You know, let me hear from you and understand what's important to you, but then we have the big picture. And so I think just being able to listen and then effectively communicate, Hey, I hear what you're saying here's what we got to do and here's when we got to do it by so let's do as much as we can of what you're saying but we we do have a deadline you know 
I yes, I was mentoring or just meeting with a, a girl woman because woman I've, makes me feel old to say that, but uh, who is interested, you know, she'll be graduating soon. Amazing backstory. I mean, just I was so super proud of what she's doing. But she was asking me about another major. And I said, well, I would consider project management. I said, I think no matter what you do, and I, and as you're talking about all that, I'm thinking, oh, my kids, my family, this job, coaching, whatever the case may be, uh, listening, communicating, big picture, bringing it all back together, but acknowledging all the roles. Like, wow, what a important and super powerful skill to have yeah well yeah and then and then it you know approaching different things and every time you, you know trying to and trying to figure out hey what who who are the important people what are their roles and how does it all fit together so that we can get something accomplished and yet still be that kid right one year out of school and i mean what I, I gosh, I you know you say that, and I'm, and I'm sitting here with you, and I'm like, wow, I've always seen her professional, Pam, super sure. smart, knowledgeable, successful, and I think back to, oh, I guess she would have been a, you know just out of college. Of course, we all were. How did you bridge that gap of, or or what skills or tools did you use for them to start listening to you or say, oh, she knows what she's talking about? Or how did that work? Yeah. Well, I think it did help in, in that I was at Procter & Gamble that had a lot of young engineers. So it wasn't like I was the only young person, which I, did, I think makes a difference. You know, there were companies I interviewed at where I was like, wow, not only will I be the only woman at this entire facility, except for the lady at the front desk, but I also, you know, am young and that, that was a lot scarier than going to yeah. a place that had a, a variety and had had young, you know, had probably had more women than some of the other places that I looked at. Um, so I think it wasn't, you know, they were used to dealing with young people. And then I think from my standpoint, I was always very confident. And so I think even if I didn't know something, you know, we'd be in a meeting and I'd go, okay, yep, got that. I'd be taking my notes and I'd go figure it out. I, you know, I mean, I didn't act like I knew things I didn't know, but I didn't act like I was going to fall apart either. So I just think the going, okay, well, I got to write that down and go get that figured out. What does that mean? Uh, but then coming back and knowing what it meant and, you know, see, just seeking, there, you know, seek, using my resources to find out what I needed to know. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of conversations I've had whether it's podcast or not or whatnot it's not try being true and yeah. being I don't use the word authentic I know it's a buzzword but really being true and saying you know being able to say I don't know that but I'm going to figure it out but what you said to what you said was I'm not going to get super nervous I'm just going to take my notes and I'm going to go use my resources and I'm going to go figure that piece out but what I I don't want to skirt out over something you said which I think is interesting and could be a challenge is you're going into some of these companies and there's no women there except for potentially the person at the front desk I mean what was that feeling being in that situation uh you walk in there and how, how did you even know how did I know? Yeah, like, okay, there's no women here. Was it just when they well, interviewed you? Nobody, it was just men? Or did you walk around? You're like, I don't see any women. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember specifically, I, the, the economy was good when I graduated. I had a lot of interviews, and they would fly you out to places, and you could see the facilities. And I remember a, it was a refinery in Louisiana. Literally walked in, there was the lady at the front, and then we walked through the whole plant, had different interviews, like, with different people, and I did not see another woman. And I, and, and I could tell, you know, and that was... And I, they probably had a program, okay, we're trying to get more women here. And I was just like, wow, this is a, 
I don't know. I, I mean, the whole environment was not appealing already. But on top of that, I'm like, I don't want to go somewhere where I'm the only one, you know, and I'm sure people people that do that are important, you know, and we need people to do that. But I, would, I was not interested. <laughs> Well, and it sounds like because you're right, like there are, there's always a first of something. Right. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever. But if you were already not interested-ish and that was layered on top of it, that was just another reason like, eh, it's not the right fit. And again, I think going back to what we talked about, you got to be true to yourself and what you're comfortable with. But yeah, that could be challenging. I mean, we sit here and we think in 2023, there's a lot more women everywhere. But it wasn't that long ago, that totally different story, different picture. So Mm -hmm. not having necessarily done that myself, walk into a building where it's like, I'm the only one that looks like me. And again, there's no judgment there. It's just it is what it is. And so how that must have felt. There must have been some feelings there. Yeah. You know, just kind of like, oh, you know, a little uncomfortable. A little like it's just kind of like, oh, I feel a little out of place here. Right, right. So it sounds like, though, you were then able to find Procter & Gamble and whatnot and find the right space where, while not overly abundant, at least there was enough, kind of like Georgia Tech. (laughs) Well, there's some sororities, there's enough Right. where I can, you know, it's not going, I can still go charge my path, be comfortable, learn, do a great job, and come out of it better. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, a lot of what you said there was, too, I think you know, that authenticity of, I'm going to take these notes, I'm going to go use my resources. So it sounds like when you think use resources, probably books, different things, but also asking for help from those around you. Mm-hmm. And was that easier, hard to do being the, the young kid and young female? It was not, it wasn't hard for me because I've, I'm, I'm, I've, always just asked for help what you know or ask people hey what do you think what do you, you know I like to get a lot of opinions and uh, I had a great boss so he was uh, really helpful and always available and willing to add, you know I mean he wanted me to do well <laughs> so uh, which is good that not all that not all bosses are like that correct. which is counterintuitive yeah. so it's good it sounds so I, like you had an early person to help mentor and push you and I had an early person and then I also had a project management stint at my co-op and the, which helped me determine that's what I wanted to do. And so getting, I mean, honestly, I was really lucky to be able to find a place where I could get where I really knew I wanted to be right away. I mean, so many other uh, job offers were, hey, yeah, you can come do this, but you have to design, I don't know, the interior pieces of an airplane for five years and then we'll talk about project management and I was like oh five soul crushing years of design I mean because that's just not my my jam (laughs) and uh so you know I was able to find that early and then start developing what I you know what I wanted to develop so I was very I mean I was very motivated I felt good I was in a good place so I you know I would ask anybody who was available and there was another woman you know a woman I can think of that was older had been there longer also went to Georgia Tech you know that I could go to and say hey what do you think about this so So it sounds like it was a very welcoming open environment to learn and accept people and you know different roles responsibilities and that really helped you uh, grow your career because it could have been easy probably to take some of those other jobs to start. And I'm sure coming out of Georgia Tech, an engineer going to get paid a lot. could have been potentially easy to say, uh, oh, you know what, I don't, I'm just going to take that job because it's there versus. Keep looking, keep right. looking. Okay, here, you know, found and was able to find what I wanted. So how long did that take? 
Uh, you know, I guess it was probably like the whole second, you know, that last semester of interviewing. And I mean, I went to, I don't know how many companies I went to, but I mean, and I had my first job offer, which they kept coming back and like increasing it, adding signing bonuses because, you know, they're trying to get you to come out to Toledo, Ohio, you know. And so, you know, versus um, I think I think it was one of the last ones I actually got secured. And as soon as I got it, I'm like, yes, that's what I'm doing. You knew it. You knew Mm -hmm. it. So it it sounds like uh, leading to that path was having some of those, uh, the ability to have different experiences while in school. Yes. And trying different and new things. And then once you knew, you knew. You're like, this is my thing. I'm not going to settle. I'm going to, something will come. I'll figure it out, but I'm going to hold my guns and stick to what I know is is right for me. Right. Yeah. And if I ever talk to anybody, you know, other women now in college studying engineering and asking for advice, you know, I'm always get a co-op, get an intern, as many as you can during the experience, even if it takes you an extra year to graduate, because you've got not only do you have experience, but you have knowledge of what do I like? What do I not like? Where do I want to head with this? Because there's a lot of paths you know, within each branch of engineering. So it almost sounds like even if it seems like a lot, right? Go one more year and <laughs> at the t- looking at a year now, it's like psh, a year. That's nothing. Right, right. But it could save you years mm-hmm. meandering through companies and jobs that you wouldn't like. So that's a great, I think, tip right. to upfront take a little bit more, gain a little bit more experience. So maybe you're hitting the ground running in a better space. So you're at Procter and Gamble for how long? I was only there two years. You know, I uh, I got to do some big projects. I, I think the, the first one was a two million dollar project. They told me they'd give that to me because it was a small one, and I was I remember thinking, okay, that's a small. But you know, you get used to the big numbers. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, I was there for two years, and then that's when I kind of made a decision, hey, I'm going to go do this nonprofit work in Mexico. And I remember telling my boss, and I had to go meet with my boss's boss. And he was like, so this is where I would normally try to get you to stay. But I'm thinking this isn't about money. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, no, it's not. And he's like, well, what about a sabbatical? And I go, well, I've committed to four years already. He goes, oh, yeah, we don't do four-year sabbaticals. I figured not. So he was real nice and said, hey, if you ever want to come back, change your mind, let us know which made my grandparents feel better. So, you know. <laughs> well, and that probably says a lot for who you are and the work that you did there for them to leave that door open. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. So there's probably a lot of good advice there, like, uh, you know, work hard, contribute. I don't know. What what advice, what, what do you think you did those two years for them to open that door back and want to keep you? Well, yeah, I think I, I did work hard. I made sure I got done what was asked of me and, you know, made sure I completed my, you know, everything that I needed to do. And I also had a lot of fun with it. You know, I, I really tried to get to know people, other people in my position, other people in other positions, people up the chain. There wasn't really anybody down the chain. You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, just getting to know people, being involved, goofing around with people, going, you know, hanging out at lunch. Just I, I just think it makes you as people get to know you. Uh, it, it just increases your, it just increases their ability to work with you and know, Hey, okay, Pam cares about what she does. She's not just checking her box. So it would be easy. So 
with my background in numbers and accounting, you know, sometimes we can be more introverted, sure. if you will. And especially when it was when I was younger and had kids and I was like, I just want to get my work done. I want to get out of here. I want to go home. But that can be short sighted, even though you're thinking, OK, the work's going to speak for itself and I'm just going to do a great job. That can be a little short sighted. Some areas that may work. But I think to your point building those relationships all over not it sounds like not even just in your close working group but expanding beyond that and building those relationships among more people at Procter and Gamble was really helpful mm-hmm. yeah you know because you can be extroverted but there are also times where you can be like okay I'm just gonna what do you think uh how'd you do it or did it just come naturally to you the well i think it i think it did i think it did come naturally but also um you know i mean i was still single i was you know you have i i had the time to invest and i still got plenty of you know rest or downtime or whatever i needed but yeah i think i was just looking to get to know people i was in a new city city, you know have a good time so what could we do at lunch you know i'm bringing a frisbee one time and going okay we're gonna go out the building and play frisbee and i got like two or three people and they're like are we gonna get like demoted because we're out here playing i'm like no it's lunch we need a break now go back and you know just you know how many seminars have we been in where the company tells you to get exercise and get right we're We're just out having fun we're not out here all day let's go so you know i mean just i don't know I, i just i think i was just very focused on hey let's have a good time with all this i mean it's not just work 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 so we might as well have a good time and and honestly at the end of the day the relationships help you get stuff done so much more efficiently anyway so it's it's well worth the time spent right when you know that that you see you know the face or the whatever on the other side of it yeah it's harder to say no or under deliver right You're like oh yeah i'm gonna see them at lunch or you know we're gonna go hang out and i know anyway yeah yeah so true so i mean i think that's probably a a great tip that i don't even know that i've talked with anybody about yet of get outside your little cube or whatever it is which before i jump there get outside more people so thinking about covid a lot of people work from home now how do we bridge that gap how do we help there right yeah COVID is tough COVID has changed you know everything a lot of things you know but yeah if you are working you know at home which you know sometimes I'm working from home but um but you know for for what I'm doing I make sure I get out and see clients and for a while we couldn't um so we were doing a lot of teams calls you know where at least you do get to see you can still see each other and and I would encourage people to use their video, right. <laughs> you know, because I think there's some people that, OK, I'm going to be home and just leave it off and I don't have to brush my hair or whatever. But um, I just it is important to see who you're talking to, to know what, you know, just feel more like that connection with the person. Um, even when you're, ju- you know, I mean, it's not like we're going to go hang out and whatever, you know, the, because you're my client necessarily. But I want people to know who I am and who I'm about. And I, I just think when you see someone, it makes a big difference so teams is you know the next best thing in person is still better um just because you can interact in person see what you need to see talk about it really get the nitty-gritty talk to the other five people in the office that you wouldn't have talked to on that team's call you know that are involved and have really valuable information and the other thing i always say and this is more specific to plants and engineering but like get out on the floor see what the operators are saying i mean you know these are these are the folks that 
use the equipment every single day and uh, knowing what they think and their ideas, you know, can make or break a project. Well, it sounds like it goes back to that whole project management. And I think while you, and I'm sure it works great on the floor, but I think every job, right? So even with what I do for my day job at Manetta, I mean, we've got people who are putting together things before I see it. And I want to know what their pain points are, what their challenges are, or I want them to tell me, we shouldn't be doing it this way. This would be a lot better way to do it. Great. Tell me that. Let's change it. Let's, you know, do it as a team. And I think you're right. There's no way to do that if you're not somehow getting out and around and about. Right. And, 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 and doing that several times, even for the same project. Go out, talk to the operators on a different shift. They might have a different perspective or the maintenance guys that have to work on the equipment. What's important to them, you know, and, and all of this stuff makes it work down the road, because if the maintenance guy can't do the maintenance, you know, we got a problem. Right. So, <laughs> so you're at Procter Gamble. You, uh, how did you how did the Mexico nonprofit work come up? So that was really kind of, I guess, ironic or interest or whatever but i when i was my last year at georgia tech i got involved in a uh, campus ministry down there and then through that i went on this mission trip over the summer in mexico city before i graduated college so i met different people that these different organizations through that that had decided to form a new nonprofit and um and bring basically teams of kids kids you know graduated from college kids down to whatever location with the idea of it was it was sort of a campus ministry model but it was focused on college kids and it was focused on you know we were focused on service and start community you know and so they asked me do you want to be on this team that's going to go to the first team of this this is what we're doing going down to mexico city and uh and I mean, I did have to think about that, but it was it wasn't that long, but, you know, where I was like, yeah, I got to do this now. This sounds great, um, and made that decision to to go down there. So, what exactly were you or were, what was the group doing down in Mexico City? So it was like it was like starting a, a campus ministry at okay. some college campuses down there, and then we evolved it. Um, I was I ended up being the team leader for that team, and then we had like a you know, there was five of us that went down there. And we worked with several universities, and we were very ecumenically minded with it. You know, we worked with a really cool Catholic priest down there who, you know, helped support kind of what we did. And we would, you know, send certain kids to him who wanted, uh, you know, advice and, you know, things like that from somebody in the in the Catholic faith. And so we would... Um, and then we did. We focused a lot on service. So we would take these kids and give them experiences like going to the garbage dumps where people lived and like literally processed garbage. And we'd go play with those kids and you know do their nails, play soccer, bring them lunch, and it, just different things. We worked with orphanages. We did a, we did a lot of different work down there, um, which was um, just very hard to sum up quickly. But it was a, it was a lot of really neat stuff. Is that what some thinking? Oh, the first time you walked down there, but you did the internship or the the summer program. Mm-hmm. Was that very similar? Uh, it, different because at the summer program, we were actually working down there for missionaries with like a church plant and just kind of helping them. We were starting this from scratch, and it was all college students. And I, and I think uh, you know when you think of college students, you're talking about a much more open minded group as well. So I think we were able to do a lot of different things and. Um, and pull a lot of people together that 
wouldn't have known each other, for example, like from a university, maybe that's a public free university from the and then the technological university, where there were a lot of engineers where we had some, you know, um, things in common, but different socioeconomic levels, you know, completely. And we were able to, you know, pull these different kids together and kind of form a different community than they would have had, you know, at their universities and then go out and do, um, you know, serve the underserved, basically. Wow, that, I bet you saw, uh, you know, again, just being me, St. Louis, you think of Mexico, you go to the all-inclusives and you're on the beach and some may wander off, some may not wander off because of uh, what they may or may ha- haven't heard. But what's it like to live outside of the resorts? And right, right. <laughs> what's that experience like? Uh, it's amazing. I mean, Mexico City is amazing. It's just the pe- first of all, the culture of the people, they're so open so willing to talk to you they they want to learn from you and if you're a person that wants to learn from them it's you know it can be an amazing experience you know i try to take that into account here when people come from from other places because i feel like sometimes we're not so open <laughs> but you know it's just like hey what what do you think what are you doing and uh so there's that and then the whole city itself i mean it's crazy there's there's a lot of pollution there's a lot of traffic but it's uh Every neighborhood is unique. The history is crazy amazing. I mean, there's cool, um, just, there's there's just, if you could hit every neighborhood in Mexico City uh, just to see all the different things, it's it's amazing place. And I know four years, you built a lot of deep relationships where you go back and stay with them or they come up here. I mean, mm-hmm. from people who, from Mexico City. Yes. Yeah, still in touch with them. Thank, thank God for WhatsApp now. <laughs> You can just send voice texts back and forth, videos. Speaking of, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, right. and now we have all these. That'll be our, our you know, stories to the younger kids. Right. Uh, I remember when the phone was connected to the wall with a cord, and we had to turn that thing around. Right. And they're like, what? You couldn't send pictures on that? No. Yeah, no. No. So, yeah. So, that's really nice. It makes it easier to keep in touch. And, um, yep, still get to see people. And um, hoping to get to take Ella down there sometime and get get um, my daughter and be able to expose her. She wants to get her Spanish up to speed. So just living with folks, I think, is the best way to do that, staying with them and speaking Spanish. And like you said, open-minded. I mean, whether it's in a different country or with different people, but I think when you talked about your success at Procter & Gamble and being at Georgia Tech and uh, meeting more women and joining a sorority that maybe you wouldn't have in a different place, I mean, all that comes from, in my mind, being open to you know just getting out beyond yourself and improving and learning more and um and i think that can be a challenge uh that our society is facing maybe today of being open and not only open to intake but open to sharing your Mm -hmm. true self and your authentic self yeah yeah i think a lot of people might be scared to do that Right, right. Scared of being attacked or what's happened. All those technologies are great, but then at the same time, a double-edged sword, right? They're also awful because people can hide behind a keyboard and say mean, mean things. So trying to navigate that. But I still think it's the end of the day, if you can filter or be careful, being open is truly probably the best way to live life. Just be open to all sorts of experiences, knowledge, love, 
whatever um sure sure after light joy well and you can always find the good in something and it were in somebody no matter how different they are from you i think there's always good there's always something to be thankful for you know and i think if you're looking for those things instead of what's wrong with this person what what you know that you're just going to have a better experience and and be able to learn more and i think that's where the we always want to keep learning you know keep growing and if we're open to people perspectives you know we at least can take some nuggets well i appreciate you saying that because now i have hope that after this is all done and said and we walk out of here you're not cursing me for making you do this with me (laughs) no no No, wasn't nearly as bad as i thought it was gonna be use your own words against you remember pam be open there's a good in something so we're in mexico four years which is amazing how what gets you to come back up to the states well i ended up staying five oh. um and then at, i i asked to stay longer because they they try to tell you know you should come back every four years spend a little time then go back it's kind of like their s- structure and i said no i don't want to come back i want to stay a fifth year but then i'll come back and so i i applied to with the intent of going back to mexico city i wasn't coming back permanently but i applied to a fellowship at indiana university for um Latin American Caribbean Studies Masters, because I said after I did that mechanical engineering degree that I would not study anything ever again that I didn't 100% just love for loving the material, you know. So uh, it wasn't like mechanics of solids. It was, you know, I got to I got to read Latin American literature and discuss it, and so you know, and talk about history. Uh, so it was really just for fun and just enjoyment. And but I got the fellowship, so I got to go for free, and I worked like twenty hours a week in the center and got to do outreach in the community. It was part of my my job. Um, I bet your parents were happy you got to do that for free. <laughs> they were like, "This girl." <laughs> We told her not to go to Mexico, but here she is, you know. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so um, did that and... um, So you said you intended to go back. So how long was that program? The fellowship? Mm -hmm. So it was, I could have got out in a year and a half if I had only done the master's. Um, And while I was there, probably, I can't remember exactly, but sometime before the first year was over, um, sad story a little bit but determined i wasn't going to go back and had because of some issues with our board um and and so my i was trying to work with my team and even while i was in the states i was trying to kind of find some common ground and go hey you know we could still do this but again back to kind of the truth thing you, you can't you know i can't do something the way somebody else wants me to do it if i don't believe in the way they want me to do it so uh, and our team was that way too we, so we had kind of gotten together and said okay we're, we're not gonna be able to do this anymore and so we let them know that um and, and i went ahead and finished the master's degree and i was also taking classes to in case i wanted to teach spanish you know get certified to do that so that made it take a little longer but um but i knew i wasn't in a hurry and was gonna have to kind of reassess and go okay what, what do i do next from here so yeah what did you do how did you reassess um, well, I considered everything for literally from being a Spanish teacher to doing something and, you know, uh, you know, even something down in Mexico or, uh, you know, did I want to go back into engineering? Did I want to travel internationally? Did I want to use the language skills, the culture, you know, and so I was looking at all kinds of things and, um, and that's when I got the phone call <laughs> from my dad, actually, who, um, was there were two guys that founded the tsa our bar business and then he had 
gone to work for them and he had eventually become like a third partner in the business and um and then when he called it was him uh, one of the original founders and then a person another sales guy that worked for them and some inside salespeople. and he called both me and my sister and said hey do you guys want to do this and uh i was kind of like what you know because it's it's I always looked at what he did as like a sales job. And uh, and I knew there was a technical component. And he had said to me many times, oh, I wish I was an engineer. It would make this job so much easier. But, you know, I was doing my own thing. I wanted to be doing my own thing. And um, my sister was in a job she didn't love. It was a sales job. And she was immediately jumped like, yeah, let's do this. Did she so, have an engineering background too or no. just sales? So Mm-mm. Yeah, no, not technical at all. I mean, she was she's design-oriented, but like... Um, she was more designing spaces or furniture or that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, so I, I took me a while. I mean, I had a lot of thinking to do. And, and that's where, you know, being open, right? So I was like, this sales thing, I don't know about that. You know, what does that mean? And uh, that was the part that made me the most nervous because I'm like, I don't want to be like, you know, trying to get people to buy stuff. Like, ah. so, I mean, you know, that's why that's, I want to solve problems. I want to, you know. And so... Um, talked to them, had a lot of conversations and decided, okay, we'll try this. You know, it gets me back to St. Louis, which I think is probably a good thing at this point, you know, and be close to family. And I thought, well, I'll try it, you know. I, um, and I kind of said, and in my mind, I kind of said, okay, I'm going to give this two years and I'm either going to like it or, you know, by then I should know, do I like this? Do, is, is there enough here for me to really want to do this? And uh, yeah, so that's that's how I started. And the other thing was the the potential of owning my own business. I think that was a big factor because I was always interested in something like that, but didn't really know how to go about it. What was interesting about it to you? Because for a lot of people, they'd be like, heck no. Right. And that's that's how I am with everything. I don't know what I'm getting into, so it sounds great. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but no, I think I... I just the idea of of running my own show, kind of getting to grow a business in in the way that I would want to grow it, work, you know, being a part of a team to do that, all that was interesting. And then the the business side of it a little bit, you know, I didn't study any business, but I had always in my backup, my other choice when I was deciding engineering was international business. So I thought, you know, it would be interesting. It's you know, I. It's just like anything else, right? You can figure it out or you can't, and then you, you know it's not for you and you move on. Um, but yeah, it ended up all, all working out. But I, I love what you said too, and I think it was just I don't know, a small piece of just part of the conversation, but you said, and I think my husband and I have talked about this with our kids, like go into a situation and say, okay, what are my, what's the breaking point? Okay, I'm gonna give it two years. So before you get into the heat of it and the emotions and the da 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 like be willing to say, okay, I am, I'm willing to give it two years. I'm not going to give it three months and just give up, but I'm not going to try to stick something out for five years. Like I'm going to go in. Did you have beyond just that? Did you have a game plan of, okay, I think I like all these things. It's the families in interspersed in there. That might be a challenge. Like here's my drop dead. I got to get out or anything like that beyond just I'm just gonna see where this goes for two years yeah I was just gonna see where it goes and I think it's good that I kind of had that two years because I I can't remember at what point it was but it was probably a little bit before a year I kind of was like oh I don't know if I made the right choice you know because because especially at the beginning you don't have the relationships you don't have the so you're trying to one show that you're credible at the same time as learning everything you need to be credible and 
also, uh, you know, trying to figure out how do I how do I do this in a way where I really get to enjoy this? Like I don't want to just do this thing. Bring some frisbees. I, God. <laughs> bring some frisbees, right? <laughs> there were no frisbees this time. So yeah, I you know, and and I think the part that was that was what was really bugging me down is like I kind of had this vision of like, oh gosh, do I have to like cold call people all the time? Do I just have to call people up and be like, hey, do you need any of this kind of stuff? Can I come and talk to you? And because there was some of that, you know, a lot of that happening just to get in front of people so you could start the what you guys need here's what we do and uh, that is not my favorite thing now I'm much better at it because I have been doing this so much longer and I have a, a much I have a better story to tell you know at the beginning you don't have a lot of story to tell so it's it's even harder for me to do that because I'm like I'm just like you know it just felt like I was calling people so that that was the point where I was kind of like oh I don't know but it evolves it doesn't stay like that forever and as you grow and you learn and you're you know now I'm spending most of I, I don't spend any time making those phone calls <laughs> I mean everyone so I shouldn't say any time but you know everyone so I have to call someone and go hey I see this project is happening I don't know anybody over there but who can I talk to about this but now it's like I've been doing this 15 years. I have this project. I have this project to reference. I can tell you all about this. And, you know, what do you guys want to do? How can we help? Was there a moment or, like, specific interaction where you're like, okay, no, this is going to work? You know, it's it, it's kind of weird because it was almost right at that two-year mark. All of these things started clicking. And I think it was, uh, you know, we because we had so many different lines of equipment, there was a lot to learn. And so the technical side was kind of coming together for me. Like, oh, this is how this worked. This is how this worked. This is, you know, and, and – um, and then also starting to build those relationships with customers and then having people call me back because I had already helped them with something and going, oh, okay, so this this is easier. And now I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm more helping people solve their problems and helping them get what they need rather than just trying to, you know, find people to, to work with. As they kind of say, or as I've learned in just even my business, what I do for a living, living, not just podcasts, is relationships versus transactions. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're, you love to live in that relationship zone. And of course, it's going to take some time to build. And I would imagine with what you do, you got to build a lot of credibility and trust because you don't, that it can't break down. Right. Like, or it can't not fit together. Right. It's got to work. Right. We cause people downtime. They're not making product. They're losing millions. And yeah. Well, somebody probably could get hurt or be... that too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of pressure on your shoulders (laughs) to get it right. And your team. Yeah. And the whole team and Mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. No, there, there is some of that, but you know, I just, and it, it is, it's so much, it's once, once you're out there, once you know, and even the new relationships now are easier because it's like, I have the other old relationships. They know, I know so-and-so they know I did this work and it didn't fall apart. So, so that's helpful, you know? And then I'm starting, now I'm talking to younger people who are a lot younger than me, uh, which is interesting, you know, and they are like, Oh, you can do all of that, you know, sometimes. I mean, that's the reaction. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And, you know, it used to be that they had these huge engineering departments where all these people knew how to do all these things. And now they're hiring in these young engineers and they're trying to keep the process running. They're trying to, you know, improve things, but they're lean, you know. And so if it's not their area of expertise and I can do something that, that, that they know they can trust me to do it and they're just managing it from their side it's like a, it's like this you know big sigh of relief for them to go oh wow okay you can take care of this i'll you know i'll work with you i'll make sure that you know what we need but 
run with it, you know? And then, um, and then we just, we just, we know how to make it work. So we just do our thing and they trust us to do it, which makes it easier for us to just do the, do the entire thing and make it work for them. So a couple dynamics there, you come into this business, uh, family, and potentially, I don't know, and I don't want to put words in the mouth because we haven't talked about it yet, female. Like, we're there beyond just saying, I need to be, I, I need to show I'm credible, which means I need to learn the stuff to know I'm credible. I need to enjoy it, all that stuff. Anything from a, oh, family's related here, plus I'm, were there additional layers of challenges that you had to deal with there? Ah, uh, sure. I mean, you know, I think with my, with my dad, like our personalities are totally different. We have, we actually have a lot in common and a lot different, so I shouldn't say totally different. But um, so the way I learn, you know, I got to know how it all works. So because if I don't understand it, then I can't, like, I can't really do it. You know, like I, I got to understand what I'm doing to get get from point A to point B, and to explain it to my customers so that they understand that I know what I'm doing and that. You know, if they have input, then they can. It's just, and he he did it a different way, where there was there were certain things that, you know, I was I tried to get an explanation for, and I couldn't get it to my level of satisfaction. So then I had to go other places to get it, and I figured, oh, okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do this kind of business, but I, for me to do it, I've got to know X, Y, and Z. And so, you know, that was the challenge at first, because I'd be like, how. I need to know this, you know, and and then my sister and I also very different, um, but and there were some um, I guess growing pains to that. But I think what's what worked out really well with us is that we do have different strengths, and so we were able to kind of figure that out in probably in the first five years um, of who should do what and. You know, we we both have customers and we both are going to do that no matter what. But as far as running the business, some of the technical stuff, you you know, we kind of came to, okay, you know, I do this and you do this and that works great for us. Um, So that was, it was a growing thing. Just, you know, and as siblings, you're a little less professional about it, right? (laughs) You're like, hey, why are you doing that? And I'm not doing that, you know, I mean, a little different. So, uh, so, but, but I guess that also makes it easier to work through because, okay, well, I didn't realize that was the, a thing. You're getting out on do the table. Do you want to try it? Let's, you know, let's look at it and see who wants to do this. So, yeah, it probably did get some things out on the table sooner than it would have in a different scenario. Did uh, potential clients, customers, anyone see you differently because family relations, et cetera? Was, there a, was it harder? So I tried to not really bring that up, honestly, because, and I think Angie was probably the same way. I mean, my, my, my dad retired a couple of years after we got into this. And then his, the, the other founder, he stayed on and worked for us when we bought the business out. Um, so he was still around for a while and then he ended up retiring. And so then it became Angie and, and my business. But, um, I, you know, I just didn't mention it. Some people would know. Some people would somehow, if they had worked with my dad, or, oh, wait, are you related to Tom? Or, you know, um, and, and so that would happen. But, uh, you know, I just, um, I, I think I wanted to build my own reputation in my own right. So I just would not bring that up. So I think in most cases, people were not aware. Do you think that was helpful to not bring that up? I think, I don't know. I think so. For me personally, it was because I didn't want people to think I was there because of that. And, or, or, you know, 
that I didn't know what I was doing or, you know, I don't know. I, I just always kind of worried about that a little bit. It sounds bit. like it was more potentially what would have gone, what would have been going through your head and right. holding you back versus not necessarily what other people would or wouldn't have thought, but uh-huh. you want it like kind of going back to that credibility and building it yourself and doing it your way. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't want to even tell my own story in my head what someone might be thinking that could hold me back. Right. Exactly. And I, again, don't want you to speak for Angie, but uh, did she have similar challenges or issues or was it was it different because you have different skill sets? And yeah, yeah, I think, you know, um, yeah, I, I think the the similar ones was the figuring out who did what, you know, right. I think she would probably say the same thing as I did. Oh, yeah, there were times where I was like, well, geez, why is Pam doing this or what? You know, what, what are we doing here? Um, but yeah, I think. Um, I think her technical learning curve was lo- was longer than mine was, and so I became more of a technical support for her, and, and I still am today, and, and you know, on really complex projects. Um, and so, but we work really well together, knowing, hey, I can do this, and if I need extra help because I'm spending all this time on you know helping you with this, you can do these things and take that off my plate. So we we have a little bit of an ebb and flow there, which I think helps, and it's very easy for us to be flexible in our work. With with each other uh, I think we've gotten to that point so I think that helps because you mentioned sales you were a little bit like oh right sales the tech side was what was it that helped you you're, you're obviously good at it now how'd you get that way on the sales side, yeah. you mean? Yeah, yeah, because you're right. Because at the beginning, Angie would just power call these people and have no problem doing it. And I'm like, oh my God, if I have to call another person, you know? But uh, yeah, so. Again, I think it's because it's relational. And so now I I have all these relationships. So now I'm getting phone calls. If if it's a random phone call, it's because somebody told somebody to call me or... um, Oh, yeah, so-and-so told me you do this type of stuff. So it, it's like people are calling me with a need, mm-hmm. which is much easier than trying to find the need. <laughs> so, so you know, and um, and I do, I, I, I was able to change the way I looked at it from the get-go once once I got into being able to solve problems and go, okay, I'm, I'm helping, I'm figuring out how, we, how to get them what they need. Because then I'm in my space where I want to be. <laughs> you're in, you're I'm, throwing the frisbee. I'm figuring fun. something out. I'm having a good time. I'm talking to them about it i'm you know and so so then it's it it just it it, you know it becomes a lot easier what are some of the things that you have done or still do to be really good at building those relationships um i probably talk too much no no i mean i do get in places and you know we'll just talk about you know and i try to uh, you know, not just talking a lot, but I try to find out about them, try to find out what's important to them and their jobs or outside of work. You know, some people want to talk about that. Some people don't. So I let them kind of talk about what they want to talk about. And then in just working together, you know, every facility, every plant, every office kind of has a different culture, a different way to get things done. And so once you kind of know how each place is, it's it's, you know, it's easier. And even when a new person comes in, like a new engineer, you can kind of, I can kind of influence, hey, okay, do we want to talk to this person too and make sure that they, you know, agree with this plan or, you know, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And I don't know. I just, I just think the, just the knowledge of how a place works, who's there. And even when people are changing, cause that's happening, you know, constantly, um, it's, you know, kind of bridging the gap between the last person and the next person. Well, it sounds like it goes back to, I remember writing down when you were good at project engineering, mm-hmm. that yeah. at, P- at Procter & Gamble, being a good listener, 
So you're probably asking a ton of questions yeah. and really listening, plus the communication side of it and figuring out where they want to take that relationship. Is it lunch? Is it just purely in right. the office or whatnot? But <clears throat> kind of asking, uh, being curious about them. Mm-hmm. So we talked about some of the challenges and the skills you've had to build. Any challenge being a female walking into the room, hey, I'm going to sell you this big system. You talked about the $2 million small job, right? I can imagine some of these things you put in place are huge dollars, supremely important. Like you said, if it breaks down, they're not making money. Plus, somebody could get hurt if they air pollution. And I know I'm dumbing this down to my level of understanding. But uh, any time where... You, they've answered the phone and they react to hearing a female's voice or see you walk in a room or any challenges or obstacles there that you've ever faced? Yeah, I know. I think, I think there are, I think, I think it goes both ways. Like I think sometimes on the phone, they're going to be friendlier because I'm female, you know, because they hear less female voices and they're like, Oh, hi. Yeah. What, you know, and they just have a different mate, potentially a different way of interacting, you know? Um, so sometimes I think that can be helpful as a starting point. Um, I, I have experienced, you know, and it, it depends different. It's just, it's not all the time by any means, but there are situations where I walk in a room and if I have a, a, a man with me, uh, either from the manufacturer or even from TSA, um, where if it's my project and say, I know way more than this guy about it, potentially, they keep looking at him to ask. And so uh, it happened one time, you know, with uh, one of our employees, Ken, and he's older than me. He was, you know, so he does, he does look older. So it could be some of that too, but they just kept looking at him and he had brought me with him. It was his customer so that I could help him figure this out. You know what I mean? And so, you know, but he was very, he was great and he, he didn't want to be put on the spot and pretend he knew what he didn't know. So he would just go, well, you really should be talking to Pam here. She's the engineer. She's the one that's going to help me orchestrate this. I brought her for her expertise. So, you know, just Pam could probably answer that a lot better than I can. And then, and, you know, and it and it's funny because some of them would still talk to him and I'd be answering. I'm like, well, this is kind of awkward, but OK. And then some would, you know, kind of catch on and, and, and change the, you know, that they would look at you. And so and I, I, again, this is one of those things where I say you kind of get used to it. It doesn't happen. You know, it's this is not 90 percent of the time or anything. But it you know, when it does happen, it, it's a little frustrating because you're like, oh, come on over here. Um, but I think for the most part now I just kind of go you know it, it's it's people's backgrounds it's what they're used to they don't mean it like you know it's not some kind of aggressive thing against me it's just kind of where they're at so I just kind of go with it and and you know it, it feels a little weird sometimes because but it's you know it's not the end of the world I guess so I think it sounds like hey it's gonna, things are going to happen be flexible be open don't shy away don't back away like right. lean into your expertise and speak up but also if if you or somebody else is in that situation like I think it was Ken you said like they can say no you, this <laughs> bloop this is who you should be talking to they're the expert here this is the and so that would be helpful in you know trying to redirect or build your credibility too to have right. that support co-partner whatnot co-pilot 
doing that for you too. Exactly. And I think some people are more aware when that happens in others. Some people would notice that right away. Some people wouldn't. And and so I think what, you know, that awareness to go, oh yeah, I noticed that this is happening, you know, and hey, let me just say we're, you know, something to, to help it out. But yeah, there's, there's also times where, um, and I, I don't know, I think I, a lot of women might fall into this category of like, you, you don't, like, I don't love to just toot my own horn. You know, I don't want to walk into a room and here's my resume. Here's my, you know, whatever. This is why you should trust me kind of a thing. But it's sort of a, you know, it can be helpful to learn to do that a little bit. So, you know, at least what I'm comfortable with. So I can be comfortable with, you know, somehow dropping in the conversation in a casual moment that, oh yeah, if they start talking about engineering or whatever, I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm mechanical, you know, da, da, da. And then it, that does help. You can see like that, oh yeah, where'd you go? What'd you, you know, people start, it's like, oh yeah. And then, you know, if I can say Georgia Tech, then it's like, oh wow, that's cool. Just because less people around here went to Georgia Tech, you know? So that kind of stuff is something that I, would probably have avoided like to my natural thing where I, you know, I want to do it on my own. I want to, but now I've kind of gone, okay, I got to give people something sometimes and a little bit, as long as I don't sound like I'm like a egomaniac, uh, <laughs> you know, I can get comfortable with that. Yeah. I think that's huge because what, again, whether it's women or not or whatever mm-hmm. they're, and I am the same way, have a tendency to um, laugh more or not, it's like, no, lean in. It's okay to be, you still have to be yourself, but tougher, right. harder. Like you said, slip in, but there's that fine line. You can't go overconfident, but you still need to stand up for yourself. That's a right a skill, uh, like a fine wine, I think you develop and figure out over time. But yeah, you might have to lean into. Yep. That's a good point. But yeah, don't back down. Don't back away. Don't lessen your confidence but find those ways to stand strong stand out and throw those nuggets in right throw those nuggets in but and then it's it is easier now too because i can say oh yeah no i this on this project here's what we need to do here's why i've had this experience and and that's more valuable than all the little you know the little titles and degrees and all that kind of stuff but uh, i i have found that sometimes that can help too just for people to go oh, okay yeah yeah you're one of us <laughs> right you're not bringing your resume and just fl- right. sliding it slowly over the table any other business owner engineer tips trip tricks obstacles that you've uh, faced that you want to share how to overcome you know, I think, uh, gosh, there's all kinds of things. But when I think about growing a business, which most business owners probably want to do, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to approach that. And I think um, finding a strategy that works with your skill set, like with what you're really good at. Because I think sometimes there's the tend, you know, like for me, if I see something, oh, gosh, we could do this, but it's going to cause me to do, you know, all this work in an area that I don't enjoy, you know, then I'm not going to be as good at it. I'm not going to, you know, so finding kind of that match of how do we combine strategy with what we're really naturally good at so that we can grow. And, you know, again, if we're having fun, if we're enjoying it, it, we're going to be so much better at it. And, uh, and I am not like a natural detailed person per se, but like in engineering, you, certain things you have to be detailed with. So, you know, I, I make sure I, I set aside time to do that kind of thing when I can focus on that, but I don't want to be doing that, you know, 24 hours a day. 
because uh, I, I couldn't. I wouldn't do it well. So I, I want the time for that, but I want time for other things. And so when I can put together, like for, for me, what's really helped to grow at, with TSA is when I can put together these systems and these complicated projects where I'm adding a lot of value for these people, you know, and the, you know, they're not having to figure any of this out and I'm going to do the whole system for them and maybe we're even going to do the installation. So we're coordinating the whole effort and uh, I really enjoy that and I want to do it right. So I'm, you know, I'm double checking, I'm triple checking, I'm communicating with the installers, I'm communicating with the customer, I'm communicating with my manufacturer, I'm communicating with all of the different pieces to make sure they all go together. Um, that they're arriving at the right time, you know, all that. So I'm going back and in, back into my project management mode, you know, where I still get to do the engineering, but I have all this other stuff that makes it, you know, um, work for me and add a lot of value for them and then therefore grow our business. Well, it sounds like, you know, for a long time, people said, focus on your weaknesses, build those up. But a lot of that thinking has now shifted, which I think aligns with what you're saying is, what are you really good at? What do you enjoy? Because you're going to pour yourself into that because you are good at it and you're going to enjoy it because you are good at it. I, mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't like doing things I'm not good at, right. especially at this age uh, anymore. So <clears throat> it's like, I don't, so surrounding yourself with people who can fill in, who like to do the things that you don't like to do and they're good at it. And it sounds like a lot, whether it's your, your business partner or those at the company who can. So delegate, right? be okay to say, I'm not great at this and I don't like it, so I'm gonna find the right person to come in and help me do it. Yep. Sounds like a lot of what you were talking about there, not only when you mentioned how you and Angie work together and how that kind of fell mm -hmm. into place, but maybe a lot of other people that you've pulled in to surround you to, again, deliver the best project, but you can really just sit in your zone of genius and have fun and be good at it right right yeah yeah i mean that's what i think and i mean obviously your weaknesses you can't ignore them and you, there's some things you just have to do but again minimizing that so that when you do have to do that you can okay i just have to focus on this for 30 minutes and i'm going to get it right because i know this isn't you know what i mean but then it's 30 minutes instead of this is what i did all week you know it's a lot easier to push through that. <laughs> or I could sit in this classroom with three girls and those would be the only women I know while I'm at Georgia Tech. Or I'm gonna get myself outside my comfort zone because what I want is relationships, so I'm gonna join that one of very few <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. I think that goes back to just a lot of what you shared already. You know, doing it your way, being comfortable and confident and, and passionate that way. So just because you're not gonna do it somebody else's way. So leaning into what you wanna do, how you wanna do it, which allows you to then be confident, but also being willing to say, I don't know everything, so I'm gonna find the resources to help. And I think a lot of that then goes back to what you said, be a good listener, communicate, acknowledge all the roles, get the right team in place, and be curious, be open, build relationships, ask a lot of questions. Yeah. So companies that you work with, people who, if they need your help, how do they find you? So who first, who do you really partner with and help solve the problems, like you said? Okay, yeah. So our most of our customers are end users who make something like dog food, you know, or uh, dog treats or people food of any sort, you know, muffin mixes, anything that has granules, powders, uh, we are moving those, we're conveying them, we're feeding them, we're, you know, we're, we're doing different things in the process. Um, 
And the people at those companies that usually are the ones we're working with are either the engineers, project engineers, process engineers, sometimes maintenance uh, managers. Um, and, you know, that that's kind of who we're helping. On the air pollution side, it's all of those same people, but then it adds a, a wider breadth of customers just because there's a lot of uh, equipment out there that maybe we wouldn't provide, but it's going to generate fumes or things that need to get removed from the air. So we can, you know, we work with those folks too. Um, and then the best way to get a hold of us, I, I mean, we is, is our webpage. It's it's www.tsasales.com and our phone number, you know. Everything found there yes. out on the internet mm-hmm. on the webpage. Correct. Well, Pam, uh, I know this wasn't your <clears throat> top of your priority list this year to do. <laughs> which is to come and, and join me. Uh, but I knew the pieces of your story that I knew, I was like, she's got some things to share uh, just from experience, but also just such a good person and good friend. So I appreciate you humoring humoring me. And maybe when you leave, uh, yeah, you'll be like, I wasn't as bad as I, I thought. And, she, and Cynthia's still not that bad of a right a person so well, i thank appreciate you. really appreciate thank you, you for getting, having me and pushing me <laughs> getting outside your comfort uh-huh. zone being open to it and i think people you'll hear it i think others will listen and they'll say that was a lot of good content information somebody's going to hear it that needed to hear it that day and it's going to help them get through a situation so thank you for being willing to share and help you're welcome this concludes another episode of the she lift project podcast To hear more episodes of the show, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more about our mission of helping women reach higher levels of success, visit sheliftproject.com and sign up to receive the latest news, ebooks, videos, and more.